everyone, and welcome back for another episode of Blastburn Radio Adventures. I'm Steven. I'm Tanner with coffee. I'm Celeste. I'm Jacob with no coffee. And we are back continuing right where we left off on our adventure. And guys, where did we leave off on our adventure last time? I was very sad about many things, particularly Sakamoto and his ability to deal with problems. Dude, Sakamoto is the best problem solver. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, man. All right. So (laughs) if you got a problem, yo, he'll solve it. He'll he'll solve it. Is there a ghost? Because I can punch it. (laughs) You sure fucking can punch ghosts. We went to the house. We split up to search the rooms. Yeah. Oh, let's rewind for for a second. You thoroughly confused and befuddled a poor bird. Just trying to do his job. Just doing his best. So we went to the house and we encountered a far-fetched. And in our infinite wisdom... We decided to shine a flashlight in size because that, ladies and gentlemen, is the kind of problem solvers we are. And then I promptly had to have my Cagnia, Desperado, like kind of shuffle over to this guy with his no legs and go, no, he's not that bad. He's just a fucking monkey. Like, I mean, what can you expect? He's not like a grass or, or flying type. And then we tried to convince a bird that we were painters, which is an interesting experience to say the least. And we semi-succeeded enough so that it like left to go like verify some shit. And I had Paradox unlock the door and uh, I did real bad at opening it. So suspicious bird is suspicious. Once inside, we decided that we needed to split up quickly to find the bell because we're now probably on a a time clock uh, for how quickly we need to get this done before somebody is alerted. I went into a room and managed to convince Peridot not to activate some fucking (laughs) Zen mode Darmanitan fucking statues. That would have been bad. He went to the shrine of the monkey and he was trying to put the pieces together and the, the head just doesn't fucking fit no matter how you turn it. Wow, that's a, that's a dated reference. Uh, <laughs> Way to date all three of us. Those deep cuts. <laughs> those deep cuts. I, oh man, I'm so not with. I didn't finish my coffee yet. Um, <laughs> so I went in there, saw the shit, found a couple doors. I was gonna go upstairs. I marked uh, the staircase for Peridot so she would know where I went because I sent her to check on Sakamoto because it was a big ass fucking crash. The reason for that is Sakamoto went into a room where there was a bell on a table, like on a dining table, and he thought to himself, we want to make sure that the owner of this house doesn't know what we were there for, which means we have to collect all the bells, and then he won't know which bell we were there to take. Uh, This is true. As you might imagine, in picking up a bell, it rang, and a haunter came to see what was up. And the TLDR is that Slugger punched it in the dick and it is all squiggly eyed and sad, but not before he headbutted a china cabinet. <laughs> right. Yeah. I punched the crap out of a ghost and some fine china, but I got a bell. So it yeah, was it was, it was super. I blame Sakamoto for just being like, Hey, Slugger hit it instead of telling it what to hit it with. But you know, whatever. No, I thought I said faint attack. He was just like, no, I'm on it. Headbutt. <laughs> 
No, you did say faint attack. You just rolled snake eyes. Oh God, I didn't even realize that. It's been yeah. a while. No, that one, that one was slugger. <laughs> Meanwhile, Annie went into a room and stole a fossil, and two fossils. Thank you. She's making very quick work of this place. Yep, fossils. Two fossils that she took a long time to open a case for. While Sakamoto is calling all of the police in a nine-county area by being a literal bull in a china shop, and he is meticulously <laughs> burglarizing the fossils. Yeah, and Nick is standing in the middle room between the two of these people going, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> one of you is taking too slow. One of you is going too fast. I sent Peridot to check on Sakamoto, but he was already out of that room by the time she got there. And he is now in a room with two spritzies, which he woke up. And that's going to be real bad. I even noticed that there were two sleeping spritzies in this room and did not wake them up, but had no functional way to actually help him with it. Before he barged in, so I just left because I'm a because I'm a good friend. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, you might want to consider a different career. You're real, real shit at this whole burglary thing. <laughs> well, you can't help a bull in a china shop. Just the the whole goal is not to put him in the china shop in the first place. Once he's there and bucking, there ain't anything to be done about it. <laughs> okay, so where we last left off, Annie was... I imagine that as slowly and meticulously as Annie cased that room, she's probably just now starting to like wrap up and come out and probably hears the, the massive commotion of Sakamoto from across the house as she's doing so. Nick is continuing to go upstairs because he can't do shit for Sakamoto at this point, and he's just trying to find the fucking bell. And Sakamoto... You had just barged in on uh, what appears to be a wealthy household's powder room, essentially like a wealthy lady's restroom with all of the like cosmetics and accoutrements that you would expect to maintain their their good good looks. It smells amazing in here, like it is. The best smelling place you have ever been in your entire life. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what spritzy perfume smells like. What what does spritzy perfume smell like, guys? I don't know. I haven't smelled enough perfume in my life. And most of the time, I don't even know what perfume smells like to begin with. When I do be like, oh, that smells nice. I don't pinpoint it. I'm not like a bloodhound. Well, I just meant like more of a general like sense. I wasn't expecting you to describe Elizabeth Taylor's black fucking opal, Tanner. <laughs> hey, you asked for details. I'm just telling you, I can't provide them. Uh, I would expect it like freshwater waterfall with flowers. And so it smells like Tide. Well. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. It smells like Tide Pods. It's not that chemical room. kind. Yeah, don't don't eat the spritzy. God damn it! Don't eat the Tide Pods. <laughs> So, yeah, very, very good smelling room, very clean smelling. And, and you stumbled in on these two pink, small, stubby birds with big hooked. Technically, I suppose they would be beaks, but they, they more resemble noses, uh, which is kind of unusual. And, and they also have like big, poofy, feathered crests atop their head, looking almost like a, a bun that a woman would put her hair up in. And they were sleeping on perches on either side of the room. And again, as you burst into the room, they, they startle awake and spritzy, they call and, and they look very startled. What do you do? Okay. I can tell that they look, like, frightened, right? Like, they're not going to hurt me. 
they're not making aggressive movements. If anything, on the on the fight or flight scale, it looks like they are leaning much farther towards flight. Quick, convince them that you need help powdering your nose. No, that wouldn't come to mind. I thought that was hilarious. I was tempted to. So, it smells wonderful in here. But there's a thing. I don't... Now I'm confused. What, do, what What's Slugger's first instinct? I suppose I'll go and I'll just look at him, because I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> um, I mean... <laughs> I think Slugger is kind of trying to take his cues from you a little bit. Like, I think he's just kind of looking to you. He doesn't necessarily want to start something here if you're not instructing him to, but he doesn't really know what to make of it. Right. Oh, man. Oh, God. You walk into a room, two spritzies hop up, Sakamoto looks at Slugger, (laughs) Slugger looks at Sakamoto, they both shrug, and then Slugger punches some shit. (laughs) So here is probably, here's what I'm going to do, actually. We're going to follow that for the most part, right? You know, we look at each other and we both shrug. And then I think what's going to happen is we're both going to turn around, walk out the door, and shut the door behind us. I, I think we're just going to be like, eh, okay. Okay. Roll instinct for me. Okay. I think I'm plus one to that. That would be a ten. That'd be a ten. Okay. So just to make sure that we're kind of... On the same track here, your goal is just essentially to leave by the same method you entered and just kind of not not raise a fuss, like make it seem like it was an honest mistake. You're trying to blend in like you belong here, essentially. Like maybe you went into the wrong room, but you're trying to give the impression that you are supposed to be here. I suppose, yeah. Or are you just literally just going whatever and walking the fuck away? My first intention was the latter one, if I'm being completely honest. Okay. But I think that if it's going naturally enough, and Sakamoto's just not 100% sure of the layout, that he could almost instinctively act as though he's like, he belongs here, and he's like, oh, didn't mean to walk in this room, turn around and shut the door. I, I think that it could be the former accidentally, but that's not what I was intending to do. Okay. I think, what is Slugger's mystic score? Uh, that's probably a minus one. Okay. Put that out there. <laughs> yeah, he's Valor one, mystic minus one, instinct zero. Okay. So, that is a five. I, I believe that. So, you turn, and you go to leave the room. And you just kind of, you know, oh, sorry, excuse me. Uh, And you wait for Slugger to follow, but Slugger doesn't move. And you see that the spritzy on the left is kind of batting its eyelashes at him a little bit. And he's swaying. Like, his expression has gone slack. And his eyes are a little little cloudy. And he's just kind of swaying lightly. Spritzy has used a tract on Slugger. That handsome man. And Slugger has become infatuated. So I can tell, like, the symptoms, right? I can tell that Slugger's infatuated. Is it very clear to Sakamoto that a Pokemon move has just been used? Um. (laughs) That moment when Steven says, what's your mystic score, Sakamoto? (laughs) So 
I think the answer there inherently is no, but does it really matter? <laughs> there is a reason why it matters in my mind. So basically, in response to this, I'm going to see that Sakamoto, or not Sakamoto, that Slugger has become infatuated with one of these spritzies. And I'm basically going to turn around and go to Slugger and kind of rib him for it. Be like, oh, you're interested in the spritzy, huh? Kind of, kind of All right. dig into him for it. So Slugger punches you in the back of the fucking head. <laughs> Do I take any harm for that? No, no. I think this game is going to go very dark if we start instituting the concept of human harm. Okay. So I I think that there are instances where potentially something bad could happen and you could be injured and perhaps badly. But I don't think we need to institute a numerical score for that. Fair. Yeah, th- this is flavor. That's fine. Yeah, just just making fun of Slugger had absolutely zero effect in, in the desired effect of getting him to snap out of, of whatever charm he's under. And in fact, he's gonna he's gonna punch you, and then he's gonna lick his hand, and he's gonna rub it over his bald head like he's slicking imaginary hair back, and he's gonna scoot up closer to that spritzy and scratch, scraggy, scratch, scratch, scraggy, scraggy, and just kind of start putting the moves on her a little bit. It's like, ow, you dickhead. <laughs> you know, some women don't like fighters. <laughs> yeah, he he is utterly, utterly ignoring you. He, he has eyes only for this spritzy. <sighs> and I will say that the other one appears to be a little bit concerned. That strange men have walked into her lady's powder room are not going away and are hitting on her sister. And she's starting to look a little, a little distraught about it. Like like she's, she's getting worked up. Oh my God. So I think Sakamoto can tell that she's distraught and I don't think can tell a 100% why, but can tell it's associated with his presence. Right. And... I suppose we'll be like, look, it's fine. We're not going to be here very long. Ideally, once this bonehead gets some sense to him and stare at him and he's probably not paying attention to me. Not even a little bit. Right. I'm like, tell you what, I think I'm going to like go and do my job here. Just tell him to catch up to me when he's done being a little, little shithead. And I'm going to walk out the other door. (laughs) <laughs> and leave Slugger behind to do what Slugger does. Okay. I need to check something very, very quick. Give me just one moment, please. Uh. Well, good news. The Scraggies and Spritzies do not share an egg group, so you are not going to come back and be a grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Roll instinct for me one more time, please. Sure, 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 sure. That is an 11. Okay. Well, with with that role, then, I think that the spritzy warily watches you as you go to leave, but makes no no moves or no commotion and seems to be calming down as you're, you're leaving the room. It's still side-eyeing Slugger. It doesn't particularly enjoy his presence, but it's tolerating it. 
And Slugger is just putting the fucking moves on the smaller of the two Spritzy. Like, he is just, like, full on the little, the little knob thing on the back of a Scraggy's head, the, like, the long fucking single alfalfa hair is, like, slicked all the way back. Mm-hmm. He's got his little scraggy lizard pants hiked all the way up, like, to his little, if he had lizard nipples, where those would be, <laughs> like, doing the Urkel pants. Yep. <laughs> and he is just scrap, scraggy, scraggy. And she's splitzy, and just batting those eyelashes. I think the worst thing you're going to come back to is Slugger fainted from a fucking draining kiss. Otherwise, I think you're pretty set. Okay. So, you've escaped the room, but you are now sans a Pokemon. Yeah. I'm going to be grumbling <laughs> about it under my breath. All right. Freaking- uh, all right. So, you exit into the the main room that Nick actually exited just a few minutes prior to you. So, you see all of the same decor, including the large simian statues with the eyes made of ruby and actually i think about that same time annie again you have finished up in in the the archaeology room for lack of a better word the display room that that you've been burglarizing are you going to enter or exit back into the kitchen you entered from or are you going to exit through the 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 door on the other side the door on the other side Okay, then uh, you exit into the the billiards parlor that that we previously um, described in in the last episode. Again, there there are nice things in this room. Nothing that strikes you immediately as being of exceptionally large value. Although there is a fully stocked bar, and if you had enough knowledge of spirits, there's probably quite a few bottles back there that are quite pricey. But nothing else in here immediately stands out to you. Are you going to do anything in here, or are you going to move on? I'm going to move on. Annie doesn't really drink, so she wouldn't know much about spirits. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. So you then you are going to meet Sakamoto in that main room, uh, along with Saiten. So Annie, Saiten, and Sakamoto are all in the, for lack of a better word, the, the, the living room. That's definitely not the correct word for a house this fancy, but I am lowbrow. So uh, after all, we, we don't eat the Tide Pods here. So you are in, <laughs> you are in the, the main entry hall of, of this home. Again, you also observe the large simian statues with the ruby eye. You observe Sakamoto kind of checking things out. What do you do, guys? <sighs> oh, hey, did you find anything interesting? Just some fossils. Oh, cool. I found another ghost. You said I heard him. Yeah, you, you, would, have, you would have heard the commotion. It was very loud. Yeah, I think I heard you. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That wasn't the ghost. That was the China cabinet. I would assume it wasn't the ghost. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> does uh just dumb question? I had had Perry run through the wall into the dining room where the china was, and then an instructor to check and then come back. Does she run back th- through the wall into the room while they're both in there? Yeah, yeah, I would say that actually that's probably a- about the the correct timetable. And in-, in fact, actually no. I'll I'll take that back. I'll I'll take you one further. I think that she probably was on her way back to you while Sakamoto was dealing with the Spritzy. So I think at this point, Peridot is probably already back with Nick upstairs. Okay. Now the big question remains: Would either Sakamoto or I know about Darmanitan? 
Well, I mean, I think that the answer to that is pretty definitively no. You're both street children in an exactly. urban setting. You would not know about fucking orangutan monkeys that turn into a dormant statue state that exists across the fucking ocean, primarily. So, so no, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily, whether or not you choose to mess with these statues, however, should entirely be an in-character decision, not, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was told to steal things. I see rupees. They seem to be within reach. <laughs> Nobody has any goddamn sense but in this entire fucking group. If we do that, then he'll think that, you know, we are after some big stuff and he might come to, to you know, hunt us because rubies are pretty pricey. And also, if we get them, Peridot might eat them. And, you know. <laughs> I'm upstairs. I can't do anything. I'm going to roll for this. I think we should just collect a bunch of bells. So that way he thinks that there is like a bell thief in here who is stealing all of his bells. And those are not bells. So I'm really mystic, which is a plus one for this. Ten plus one. Yeah, I'm not going to touch the diamonds or rubies, whatever they are. Okay, we'll, we'll say that Annie has the insight that, hey, Sakamoto made a noise that could probably be heard for a five mile radius. And also, you're pretty sure that bird went to snitch on you. The cops are fucking coming. Maybe you should fucking get. Yeah, so we just find the bell, which is the next place is upstairs to follow Nick. Yeah, you have fully explored the lower floor. Thank you, Dice. Okay, so I think I think how we're going to play this, and again, the, the, the time, like the in-game time might not work out exactly, but fuck that noise because splitting the party sucks. So mm. we're going to say that maybe Nick like went up the stairs, but was kind of hanging back waiting for, for Peridot to return, not really wanting to go too far without her. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Because all I have with me for a Pokemon is Desperado. And if that Farfetch is up there, he's going to get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll say that, that Peridot does come upstairs to, to meet you, Nick. And she also kind of indicates that your partners in, in crime are right down the stairs as well. So I think maybe you just kind of wait at the landing for them to catch up to you. Probably with an ear cock to make sure they don't do something else asinine right behind you. So when they come up the stairs, I think that you're all kind of together again. And at that point, you find yourselves on a landing in the upstairs of this house. And this landing leads onto a, a long hallway. There are doors on either side of the hallway kind of spaced throughout. As you go and as you are opening these doors, you see that they all go into... Uh, for the most part, different bed chambers, although one of them does have a, a more traditional bathroom behind it. But all the way down the hall, there are just pretty nondescript, uh, pretty ordinary bedrooms. Large, nice, well-crafted furniture, but all very dusty, very clearly have not been used in, in quite some time. You can also see along the walls of this hallway, there are several pots, like terracotta pots that appear to be very, very old. No flowers or anything, nothing that would indicate that they are functional. So these are clearly very much decorative and they appear to be ancient. You also notice very strange lettering on the walls of this hallway. These are... Almost, like, you feel like looking at these, that these are letters that you should be able to recognize, but they still seem alien and foreign to you. And 
in places, it seems almost as though there are eyes in the letters looking back, although that can't be right. Like, you, you get the impression that, that clearly your mind is playing tricks on you, but, but you, you still, you see them out of the corners of your eyes sometimes, nonetheless. That's going to really creep me out. So I'm going to like just shudder a little bit and be like, ugh, anybody see the bell? I have a bell. It's not the bell we're looking for, but I have a bell. There is one larger door at the end of the hallway that stands shut. Well, I'll bet you those ancient urns are worth something. I will maybe pick them up on the way out, but let's check the one room we haven't checked. Otherwise, I feel like this is going to be a bust if you didn't find it downstairs. I didn't. I just found fossils. A lot of broken china. <laughs> you found a lot of broken china? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I did I did find a lot of broken china in there. there, there I'm yeah. sure you did. I'm just going to frown deeply. I found a ghost. Slugger punched the crap out of it. Speaking of which, where is Slugger? So, okay. There are these two, like, fairy-looking things that are in... Okay, talk and walk. Yeah, talk I'm, and walk. I'm, we're walking. <laughs> like, there, there are these two fairy-looking things, and one of them was like, Oh, Slugger, you look so handsome. And he's like... Heck yeah, I do. And I'm just like, oh, you're into this girl, right? Yeah. And he's just like, fucking shut up, Sakamoto. And he punches me in the fucking head. And I'm like, yeah, what the? It's like, what did I do? And then he's just yes, like. Yes, yes. This is, this is excellent audio entertainment recapping exactly what our listeners just listened to. Very good. In Very character. <laughs> Peridot is walking alongside listening to this story. Her forehead in both her hands, just shaking <laughs> her little head, like, why is this a thing that I have to deal with all the time? So anyway, he he wouldn't leave, so I, I left him to flirt with this new, like, Pokemon thing. My lizard's just off making out with a bird. It's, it's, it's just a thing. It's whatever. Yeah. It smelled real good in there, though. Yeah, I know which room you're talking about. All the freshest Tide Pods. <laughs> they use Febreze down there Fun to play with, but not to eat <laughs> So, what are the marching orders? How are you guys approaching this hallway? I'm gonna look at Annie And I'm gonna say Hey, you know what's not real good Against birds? If that bird's still hanging out around here My cactus? No offense, buddy And my ghost? No offense, girl We're short of slugger And you have a flashlight <laughs> I think you're up all right, I'm going to walk ahead of everyone with Saiten on my shoulder towards the door. Are you going to bring up the rear there, Nick, or, or are you going to follow behind? I'm going to bring up the rear because Sakamoto has no Pokemon. Fair. And are, are both Peridot and Desperado still out of their Pokeballs? Yeah, currently. I imagine that half the reason you were still on the landing is because it took for fucking ever for Desperado to hobble his little tiny fat ass up the fucking stairs. <laughs> Just hop. <laughs> God. He's like doing push-ups <laughs> to get up the stairs. <laughs> We're just lucky he wasn't dropping spikes at the same time. He gets the high-pitched cacnea when he jumps a step. <laughs> <laughs> it takes 20 minutes to go upstairs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, you are continuing down the hallway and you approach this door. It is large, thick, heavy wood. Very, very old as is the construction of of this entire house and you notice that this particular door is is engraved actually it's engraved with 
what I think you would recognize being a resident of Kanto is, is probably like an old, an old Johto style. It's like a, a relief uh, that was popular in like medieval Johto, and it depicts two towers and a a large bird flying between them, and yeah. Yeah, very old, very classically styled, but on an enormous and very heavy door that is probably not very stealable. Hmm. How on brand? I just kind of look at Sakamoto and go, you're up, muscles. All right. I'll I'll open the door. (laughs) Yeah, it's not locked or anything. Like, just somebody had to try the fucking knob. (laughs) You open. You said it looked heavy. You open the door. (laughs) Hey everybody, Jolly here, just jumping in to talk to you guys about a couple of things, and then we'll get you right back to the action. The the heist is well and truly on, and our heroes may be close to what they seek. Maybe not. We'll find out together. Stay tuned. Uh, If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. It is a huge, huge help. We've gotten a ton of new ratings and reviews lately, and we really, really appreciate those. So an absolutely enormous thank you to everybody who's taken the time to do that. We really, really do appreciate it, but there are definitely more of you who still have not, and we would still appreciate those as well. Again, it helps us find new audience it helps us grow the show we really appreciate it thank you uh the intro outro and intermission music of today's episode was provided by a good friend of the show glitch x city uh be sure to check her out and show her some love on twitter youtube soundcloud all over the internet at glitch x city if you are a patron of Challenge Accepted Media of Blastburn Radio. First of all, thank you very, very much. We really appreciate you. If you are a patron at the $25 tier or above, one of the patrons who gets to do a self-insert into BBR Adventures, we are getting close to the point where we are wrapping up this pilot arc. There are approximately... Three more episodes after today's episode, and then we will be all done with the pilot and moving on into the long-form campaign, which is where we would really like to start bringing your characters into the world. So it's coming! If you haven't done so yet, just go ahead and give some thought to, to who exactly you would like your self-insert character to be and once you've got a pretty good idea of of who they are and kind of where they function in the pokemon world just reach out to me either on patreon on discord by email wherever with those details and we'll talk about it actually it's probably best if you either reach out to me directly on discord or if you email blastburnradio at gmail.com and put the in the subject line that it is your character idea for adventure so that no one but me checks that email because we want to keep that as a surprise for our players so that would be ideal thank you very much and once you have those ideas i'll look them over and get in touch with you and we'll kind of flesh out who your dude is and where it fits into the narrative if you weren't aware patrons over at patreon.com slash challenge accepted media at the 25 dollars tier and above do get to create an npc character and insert it into our game world uh, so if that is compelling to you then you can consider doing so uh, at that appropriate tier and And obviously, we don't expect our patrons to maintain that high level of support for months and months and months for the opportunity to come on as a one shot. So if you do pledge at that tier, but have to reduce your pledge, we will still, of course, honor that reward at the appropriate time. 
Now, you can follow this show on Twitter or Facebook at Blastburn Radio. And if you'd like to tweet about the show, live tweet the show, provide fan art, any of that good, good stuff, we'd encourage you to use the hashtag BBR Adventures. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for what you guys post. And if we all use the hashtag, it makes it really easy for our friends to mute it and avoid those cursed spoilers until they've had a chance to listen. So we really appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at BBR Jolly. You can find Tanner at Messer Engine and Celeste at Celeste the Lost. Jacob still not using the twitter i don't know guys your guess is as good as mine sorry now as always we do want to give a quick shout out to tanner's company mythic portal games uh if you enjoy this show there's a pretty good chance that you enjoy role playing and if you enjoy role playing you'll really really like all the great art assets that tanner makes over at mythic portal they make tokens and maps and all sorts of great art that can take your campaign uh, whether you're playing on an online platform like astral vtt or roll 20 or whether you're playing just at home on a tabletop the great role-playing focused art that Mythic Portal Games produces can really help bring your next campaign to life. When you support Mythic Portal, you support Tanner, and by supporting Tanner, you're supporting Blastburn Radio. So we really, really appreciate that. Thank you very, very much for it. Now, last but certainly, certainly not least, this show is made possible by the support of all of our listeners, uh, who support us over at patreon.com slash challenge accepted media. Uh, listeners like Cutie QB, who is a new patron. So thank you very much, Cutie, for your patronage. Uh, if you would like to and can afford to support us here with a small monthly donation, you can get some pretty cool perks, including early access to this show. You could be listening to this episode, uh, quite a bit earlier if that's compelling to you. Ultimately, if if you enjoy this show or any of our other projects, if you want us to make more content and more frequent content, your support on Patreon is what's going to make that happen. And thank you so much to everyone who has chosen to support us monetarily. We really cannot thank you enough for that. And lastly, really lastly this time, no foolies, uh, be sure to check out our newest project, the United Podcasters Pokemon League, which is our draft league project with a number of other really, really great Pokemon podcasts. Uh, and it has its own podcast which is the united podcasters pokemon league battle spot uh, i can't tell you exactly where we are in the season by the time you're listening to this because it's going to go live in different formats in different places uh, but by the time you're listening the regular season should be active and we should be seeing weekly updates on that podcast with our league standings and stats and all that good, good, crunchy number stuff, as well as just spotlighting a different creator every week, which is a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it a lot. Be sure to check it out. You can follow the league on Twitter at official UPPL. Okay, that's enough out of me. We're going to go ahead and get back to the action and see what our good, good friendos find inside that very large bedroom. Uh, so that's going to be all for Jolly today. We will get back to the show. Bye for now. Inside, you find what is clearly the master bedroom of this estate. Uh, it is significantly larger than the smaller bedrooms that you passed on the second floor. There is a, a large four-poster bed in this room. And it is... The furnishings in here are absolutely pristine. They are clearly very old, but they are incredibly well-crafted. They are made of very fine materials. They are inlaid with, with gold and silver where appropriate. They are carved, but they are absolutely ancient. And they're, 
you get the impression that whoever does sleep here, when they are sleeping here, because again, there's a pretty thick layer of dust over the whole place. It seems like it hasn't been used in some time. But whoever does stay in here is kind of kind of slovenly. The bed has not been made since the last time it was slept in, which has clearly been several months hence. There are clothes kind of strewn about um, several chairs near a, a, a nice bookshelf covered in, in tomes are themselves filled with books and clothing items um, and, and would probably take more time to clean off to actually sit in to read than it would actually, you know, be worth. And, and yeah, it's it's just kind of it's kind of a pigsty in here a little bit. Um, although all of the things in this room are very very nice, you also see along the walls you see several more pieces of of artwork that are in that same like medieval Johto style. Uh, and these are like triptychs, so so they're paintings. They're they're full color. You see one that depicts what you Tanner. Celeste and Jacob would recognize as the the burning of the the brass tower in Jodo. So so you see the the two towers and then the one burning and then uh, Ho Oh flying down from on high and resurrecting the the three Pokemon who died inside. And, and there's also a, a separate triptych that that is specifically of three very large intimidating Pokemon that you as players would recognize as Raiko, Intei, and and Suicune. But all you, as, as all Nick and Sakamoto and Annie can tell necessarily looking at these paintings is that they are incredibly old and that they are in a style that is very popular in the West. You also, at the foot of the bed, see a very large hard oak chest. Does it look like it's locked? Like, is there a latch on it or anything? There is a latch and it is currently locked. To clarify, it is locked with a padlock. I'm going to look at Peridot and say, you want to stick your head in there and tell me if there's anything good in it? Okay. Go ahead and roll... Roll Mystic for Peridot. Okay, for Peridot. For Peridot. I don't have enough fucking desk. Um, Let's see. What is my Mystic stat for Peridot? It is minus one, so that's a seven. It's a seven? Okay, so we'll just say that she just sticks her head through the the wall of the fucking chest. She just kind of sticks her head in, and she pulls it back out. And when she pulls it back out, her cheeks are bulging, and she smiles at you. (laughs) How did you get past the big room with the statues with the eyes? If this is... (laughs) So I'm going to smile at her. And I'm going to look at her and go, okay, chew and swallow. <laughs> <laughs> and and she does. She she chews and she swallows and she grins. Sableye. <laughs> and I'm going to look at her and go, did you see the bell in there while you were eating all that? She's going to shrug. <laughs> Distracted by food. Distracted by food. That mixed success. We have distracted by food and distracted by women. Is Saiten going to start gambling? Saiten did not get distracted by the booze, so one of you is is (laughs) doing okay. (laughs) Alright, we need to open that. Do either of you, or either of you good at that stuff? Like, I can try my hand at it, I suppose, but... What is Saiten's valor? 
Satan's valor is zero. Okay. So Satan is going to just get a big shit-eating monkey grin on his face and go, Epom! Epom! And he's going to jump off of Annie's shoulder, do a backflip, and come down on this lock maglite first, and it's gonna <laughs> pop off. I'm just gonna watch this with my mouth open and go, okay. It's <laughs> one way to do it. Epom! 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 Uh, I'll go open the chest then. Okay. When you open this chest, you see that it is full of what are are clearly very, very old relics. There is a a jeweled chalice of some sort. You're not sure like what purpose it would have held other than holding liquids, but there is a what is essentially a very fancy cup made of gold and and bespeckled in jewels. There are also uh, miscellaneous other pieces of jewelry that are are clearly very very old scattered throughout this chest, and you imagine that several of those are now residing in the belly of Peridot. And you do also see taking up the majority of the space in this chest a very large bell made entirely of crystal okay so i'm gonna see that and we look at sakamoto and go look they even put it in a box for us to carry all this valuable stuff down the stairs with you want to take one side uh question to gm can i take both sides am i strong enough to do that uh roll valor all right well uh that's an eight so you do, like, you pick it up, and you feel, like, real good and macho for a minute, and then it hurts your fucking back. Okay, yeah. We'll just take a side. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna grab the other side and go, you know, I appreciate the fact that you're real big and strong. This thing's made of crystal, and crystal breaks. So, let's not <laughs> try to show off. Look here. I'm not the one who breaks valuable things. That is the shithead that is currently flirting. <laughs> okay. 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 So, so you're going to grab the chest and you're going to scoot? Yeah. I mean, I there's probably enough valuables in here that if we took all of it, they'd just be like, oh, all this was worth a shit ton of money. Okay. Now, question. Opinion. Opinion time. You're You're each taking half of what is a very large chest and you're going down... A hallway that does, it is established to have, like, decor on, on the edges. Valor or instinct to see if you are dexterous enough to carry this very large chest without bumping into things and knocking them over. I'd say instinct. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Valor's going to be better for Sakamoto, but instinct's going to be better for me. So it's kind of a, a shit show no matter so what. The the impression that I'm getting from instinct is that it's something that kind of just happens naturally, whereas valor is something that takes more, like, concentrated effort and is more athletic in nature. Not always, not necessarily. Like, we've also been kind of using instinct as kind of a catch-all for things that are more dexterous in some ways. Mm -hmm. That being said, I feel like Valor might actually be the appropriate role here because you are essentially, can I manage this load well enough to also not make a mess, right? Yeah, like this This feels like if, uh, in a weird way, a feat of athleticism. And that's definitely Valor. Yeah, I, I agree. G go ahead and roll Valor for me, the both of you. Oh, wonderful. Uh, I got a 13. Well, I, I hope you're holding it on to your side of the chest. We'll see how this goes. 
I got a seven. Okay. So here, I think, is what's gonna happen. So you guys grab the chest and you start to make your way down the hallway. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think with Annie and Saiten still leading the way, Sakamoto and... Nick carrying the chest behind her and Sableye and Desperado kind of forming the rear guard. And I think that as you go, you, you're able to, to maintain a whole, this is a very heavy chest, but your dolly is downstairs. So you have to at least get it down the stairs before you can tow it. And it's, it's very heavy. And I think that Nick, you're able to handle the load, but in the process, you kind of you do that thing where you're carrying something heavy and you start to go down to the floor with it a little bit like your knees start to buckle a little mm-hmm. and you knock over one of those big heavy terracotta jars and from inside that jar comes spinning out a very strange pokemon it appears to be made of the same terracotta that is the jar And it looks almost like a strange doll, and it is spinning rapidly. And it's very startled, and it yells, Doi! Doi! Maul Doi! As it spins. And the hallway that you're in starts to flood with sand. (laughs) Okay. Uh, As this starts to happen... I'm going to look at Desperado because he was, you know, like in the rear with Peridot. And I'm going to just look at him and go, hey, boy, why don't you use Absorb? Okay, go ahead and roll that. That is going to be a Mystic-based attack for me. That is a 10. Okay, so here is what's going to happen. And I want to make something very, very clear. You have done very, very good. Nothing that is going to happen is in any way reflective of a penalty based on your attack or on your roll. But there are some some dominoes that have been set in motion now that are going to fall no matter what happens. And the good result that you got is that you dealt with this ball toy before those things started to happen. Okay? All right. That's as much for our listeners as it is for you because, again, this is a new system for everyone. And I want to make sure that we're kind of on the same page here. So... Quick refresher, since it's been a couple weeks since we've done combat, uh, Absorb is going to be a one base power move. It's going to get an additional harm because it is stab, and it is then doubled because it is super effective. So this is going to be a four harm attack inflicted at this ball toy. Did I... 10 plus is complete success, right? Yes. So yeah, you do get an additional effect. Are you going to deal critical damage? Yeah, I'm going to deal critical damage and just take it right the fuck out. Okay, so you do. You take it right the fuck out. Uh, Desperado just stands up straighter and goes, And a green light out of nowhere starts to form in the air around this ball toy. And it just kind of like goes through it. I don't know a good way to phrase this, but something intangible leaves with the light as it is drawn through the ball toy. And... It's lights kind of just flicker and it starts to spin slower and it just falls over. But as it falls over, it knocks over the next terracotta pot in line and the next in line after that and the next in line after that. And more ball toys start to wake and start to spin and start to yell. And as they do, those eyes that you noticed 
from the corner of your eye in the hallway on the lettering start to blink and the letters start to move and the sand has stopped pouring in but now it's starting to swirl in a whirlwind and it is becoming abundantly clear that this shit has hit the fucking fan all right so dumb question in case it is important did i heal my two harm on desperado i think how we're gonna treat self-healing moves like absorb is that's one of the effects that you can claim on a full success. So because you chose the extra damage, you do not get the healing. Okay, that's fine. I am going to, as soon as this happens, because I know Desperado takes forever to get down the stairs. Well, he can get down him just fine. He can just roll. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, but I don't want anybody tripping over him either. Um, I'm going to look at him and say, good job, boy. Desperado return. And I'm going to pull him back to his ball. And then I'm going to look at Annie and Sakamoto and go, time to go. Yep. Now. Okay. So it's it's time for getting. Yeah. I actually would like to take complete control over the chest. So that way we're a bit more coordinated and running. It means that I have a heavier load. But it means that me and Nick aren't going to be tripping over each other. Especially as we're going downstairs. Okay. Go ahead and roll Valor for me. I had a feeling this was going to happen here, but that's still a seven. Okay, it's still a seven? Yeah. So here's how I think that resolves itself. So you take both sides of the chest. I think right about the time things start to go bad, you just grab both sides of the chest and say, you know, grab Desperado and run, which frees Nick's hands up to to recall his Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And you make it to the stairs, but between the sand that is blinding you, the, the ball toy that are spinning rapidly, you lose control a little bit and you trip. And the chest goes down the stairs before any of you, but it goes by itself. It slides down the spiral staircase because you tripped over and and you dropped it. Okay. I am wincing so hard right now as it just goes thud, 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 thud down the stairs. And the entire time you're hearing the toy, toy, ball toy angrily from over and over across the hallway as more and more are waking up and spinning you're hearing from these strange hieroglyphic creatures that are now spinning angrily through the air and seem to be causing this whirlwind that's causing the sand to to blink in your eyes and, and kind of suffocate you a little bit tanner what is peridot's mystic score uh, Paradox Mystic store, score, I think, is minus one. Let me check. Yeah, it's minus one. She's plus one instinct, minus one mystic, zero valor. Okay. Well, luckily for you, she rolled very fucking well. I think that at this point, Peridot is actually going to tug on your shirt a little bit. And she's going to make a hand motion downward at you. And she's going to smile, and she's going to phase through the floor. Okay. But you are at the top of the staircase. You are overlooking the stairs. Sakamoto, you are down on your your gut. Like, you fell hard to the front when you dropped that chest. Right. Um, but you, you are all right in front of the stairs, and you have a horde of very angry, disturbed Pokemon around and mostly behind you. I'm going to do my best to stand back up and start running down the stairs after that chest. Okay. So you guys are just continuing to dip at this point then. Very good, very good. Running down the stairs. Question. Did Desperado get an experience for taking out that ball toy? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Grand experience, Desperado. I just wanted to check. 
Okay, so you are you, you manage to scramble your way down the stairs, and, and the the hieroglyphic creatures actually do not seem to be following you. You there are little bursts of light that are sparking on the floor near you, although none of them have hit any of you, thankfully. And those are following you down the stairs, but the, the creatures themselves do not appear to be. They are agitated, but they are kind of sticking to their, their home, as it were. I do think at least one of the ball toy is going to kind of bound down the stairs after you, just spinning as it goes. And the sand is continuing to rush downward. Okay. Okay, so the my first question's... As we get down the stairs, is what is the status of the chest when we get down there? It appears to be intact, and from what you can tell, well, I guess first of all, who is picking it back up, and how are you picking it back up? That's a question for Jacob. You're the first one down the stairs, yeah. so you need to tell me. What I would probably be trying to do is just pick it back up again by myself. I don't think that trying to coordinate that between two people while we're running the fuck away is a good idea. Okay. Go ahead and roll Valor for me one more time, then. That is an 11. That is an 11. Okay, so you pick it back up, and you're hot to trot. And as you pick it back up, you... The bell feels intact. Like, what was a solid heavy weight on one side of the chest is still a solid heavy weight on one side of the chest. It's not suddenly distributed or dispersed. Okay. So, you know, it might be chipped. You can't guarantee it's not damaged, but it appears to still be in one piece. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so are, are you guys just making straight for the back door? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not taking it out the fucking front. Okay. As you go past the door to the powder room, Peridot comes out dragging Slugger by what passes for an ear, essentially. <laughs> um, just, just absolutely. And, and he does not want to go. And then he sees the sand and he goes, Oh, it's time to go. <laughs> and he hikes his little lizard pants up and he starts running. I can see Slugger's face there. Yeah. Yeah, you dipshit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there is a very sad spritzy looking out the doorway after him. <laughs> okay, so you make it back to the kitchen and by this point I think that the pokemon have stopped pursuing you, although you can still hear the damage being done in in the next room over. Like you can still hear sand pouring down the stairs and presumably breaking many many things. But you arrive back at the back door that you entered, you arrive back at your Toadolly and and your crates. Okay, we need to Quickly transfer this to the crates so we're not running around with a chest in our hands. Bell in the bottom crate because it's going to sit closer to the support and then everything else in the top crate. Okay. Go ahead and roll an instinct for me. Quick question. Are these like plastic crates or more like wooden crates? We established that these were like wooden shipping crates. Okay. Nine. Nine. Okay. With a nine, I'll say that you're able to to do this this work very quickly and more importantly that you're able to do it with kind of a practiced eye um that even though you're you're doing it very quickly it, it doesn't look like the crates aren't like sloppily slapped together you don't have like jewels poking out the top or or anything else that's going to make you look immediately suspicious as fuck like these appear to be crates <laughs> just as a point of note too like not that it seems like it matters but if we're applying my heist bonus to it it's a 10 yeah, no, you, you did, you did fine. Very good, very good. Okay, so you have successfully loaded your haul between your two crates. You have them now stacked up on the dolly. And so you, you hear sand continuing to pour from the upstairs of the house. And now 
you are you're hearing a, a new sound, a new and entirely unpleasant sound as something somewhere has been disturbed and you are now hearing very loud crashes and a very very loud angry voice yelling man manitan die manitan uh so yes. <laughs> uh shit is shit is going wild i open the fucking door and just point yeah i'm behind <laughs> the dolly i'm going to take it and start <laughs> okay so you make your way back out into the garden, and I think that all of the, the wild Pokemon around the garden are just staring, honestly. None of them are doing their normal Pokemon thing. They are just all staring slack-jawed at the spectacle of the three of you and your miscellaneous Pokemon booking ass out of this house as the strangest <laughs> cacophony of noises they have ever heard follows you. Where are you heading? Back out the maze, basically. And then more or less the, the same way back, just nonchalantly at that point. Okay, so you're going through the maze. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we have much of a choice, do we? Or did I miss something? I mean, this is a role-playing game. You tell me. What are you doing? <laughs> well, we didn't catch a fire boy to burn down everything. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, that, wouldn't that be the slickest heist ever? Yeah, we're just going to burn the house <laughs> No one will know <laughs> what was stolen. We're going to pin everything on that hound hour. Oh, God. That poor boy! You beat him up in his house, and now you're going to frame him for <laughs> yeah. arson. He got uppity in the garden, and it all went up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our fault. Right. You didn't even blame it on the candle who was legitimately a dick to you. <laughs> no, that candle was a sissy. <laughs> Slugger was like, fuck you. <laughs> he made the mistake of being a ghost. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the real Ghost Hunters show is just Slugger. <laughs> Walk, walking around, beating the shit out of a variety of ghosts. Basically. Sakamoto comes in and he's like, this place is supposed to be haunted. And then you just hear, Slugger! Or Scraggy! And then it just Basically. punches a ghost that comes out of a wall. Dude, low-key, I was expecting the terracotta pot that fell to be the base of a spirit tomb. And then be like, why the hell isn't Slugger here to beat this ghost up? <laughs> No, we got away from the fucking, uh, never mind. Let's just go. Yep. Yeah, let's <laughs> book it and run. We're, we're booking it, dude. Okay, so you, you make your way into the hedge maze, and at this point, I, I think you said, Tanner, that you're going to kind of slow it down a little bit and try to go back to acting like nothing's wrong, despite the menagerie of sounds coming out of the house that you just left. Yeah, more or less. Like, right when we get near the exit to the maze, like... We're gonna, or at least I'm gonna stop okay. and just take a breath. Okay, so so you're gonna you're gonna dip through the maze, but when you when you start to get close to leaving, it is when you're mm -hmm. gonna slow down. Okay, I got you. So you're you're making your way through this maze as quickly as you possibly can. Sakamoto, are you pushing the the cart? Yeah, I'm pushing the dolly. Yep. Okay, so Sakamoto's in the lead with the dolly, and thankfully, it's not easy to run with one of those, but I imagine that Sakamoto's had enough experience working the stock room that he's pretty dexterous with it, mm -hmm. and so it's not really slowing him down any. So you guys are, are making very good pacing. I, I don't think you have any trouble finding your way back through the second time, and you make your way back to that middle room where you first encountered Desperado, where you first encountered the Litwick and the the Houndour, and none of them are, are anywhere to be seen, but that chamber is not empty. As you enter, entering on the other side is a man. 
he is at first glance you would place him probably in his early 60s he has very gray hair that is very long uh, it's probably to the middle of his back and it's pulled back in a, in a ponytail currently he is dressed in just blue denim coveralls and, and a flannel shirt uh, with a handkerchief tied on his head and he has a big scraggly beard uh, very thin and next to this man is a very familiar and very triumphant far-fetched. <laughs> and it cries, far, 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 far-fetched, far-fetched. He's like, yes, yes, I see them. And he looks at you and goes, excuse me, kids, who the hell are you? We're the local neighborhood crime watch, and it seems like there's something really bad going on in that manor back there. You might want to check it out. <laughs> well, funnily enough, my uh, my good friend here came and found me at the market to tell me that that three contractors were claiming that they had work in in the house. Now, now I didn't hire any help. And the master has been away for quite some time, so he certainly didn't hire any help. So who exactly are you, and why are you here? So I'm going to look at him and go, hey, you're totally right. We got the wrong fucking address. And I, I gave the Jenny, who we were coming through, like an address that is near here, but is not here. But we didn't discuss what it was. So I'm going to be like, we're actually trying to find this place. Do you know how to get there? So, roll in this instance. And again, I know that we're playing kind of fast and loose with with as far as what stat applies to which roll uh, based on a number of certain scenarios. We might, for the listeners, we're we're actually probably going to have to re-examine some of these systems between the pilot arc and the long form arc. Again, it's mm-hmm. a new system. Bear with us. But in this case, because you're you're leaning so heavily into your knowledge of the area to kind of sell this mm-hmm. con, uh, go ahead and roll Mystic sure. for me. That is a ten. Okay. I sell it real good, Stephen. <laughs> you. You do. You sell it real, real good. So, I think at that, the old man's going to sigh, and he's going to stick his hand out, and he's going to say, Here, my, my name's Nathan. I'm I'm the gardener here. This is this is my far-fetched. I wish you hadn't done him such a fucking spook if you're, like, here for work. And he's going to hold his hand out to you for shake. Yeah, I'll, I'll shake it. And I'll, I'm going to give him a name, because he's going to expect one. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say, Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it. My name's Thomas Avery. Okay. He's going to say, all right, all right, Tom. I tell you what, I'm real familiar with this area. I've been working up here for a long time. I'll walk you over there. All right. That's fair. Thank you very much. I know the folks who work on that grounds. They're good people. I'll, I'll, I'll put you in contact, right? And so with that, I think the far-fetched is going to protest a little bit. Like, it really doesn't fucking like you guys because a, a monkey shined a fucking flashlight <laughs> in its eyes and pissed it off real good. But he's just going to kind of shush him down uh, and just be like, it's it's alright, far-fetched. Come, you, you can come with me or you can stay, but I'm going. And I think that the far-fetched is going to think real long and hard about that. I think it's going to look back at the house and it's going to be real suspicious, but it's more suspicious of you guys. 
And so for that reason, I think that it's going to hop up and, and kind of hitch a ride on, on Nathan's shoulder. So with that, he just kind of takes the lead and he waves you guys on and he starts walking. And as you're walking, he's going to make some small talk with you. He's going to ask you whereabouts you're from. Okay, so I need some regional knowledge from you, Stephen, because obviously, like, Nick knows the districts and areas of Celadon, but Mm -hmm. Tanner doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I would give him information on, like, someplace that isn't the poorest of the poor parts of town, like, as close to middle class as Celadon gets. Sure. Like, a reputable, like... Not commercial area, but someplace where businesses are done. Do we do we have a, a name for that district or part of town, or can we just say that's what I give him for information? So I think that generally, just with the way that Celadon is laid out and with the way that it has divided over the years, there such a district, such a residential district at least, doesn't really exist. Like, mm-hmm. even most of the people who are genuinely pretty upstanding, like, lower middle class working folk, they still kind of live shoulder to shoulder with the, the the truly, like, disreputable poor. That's just, that that's the part of town that they can afford to live in. I think that the farther north you get in the south side of Celadon, probably the nicer it gets, but it's still south Celadon. I gotcha. So basically as nice as I can go without being like an uptown company. Because sure. we don't look like uptown folks. So ironically, that's the neighborhood right around Luz, I think. Um, because again, he, he runs like a, on, on the front, on the surface, he runs a very reputable business and it's very nice. And I think that's really probably the nicest section of South Celadon. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him that kind of area. And just say, you know, the there's been a little bit of a restoration there. You know, it's not perfect. Don't get me wrong, but it's a little better than it was. And he's going to kind of chuckle and he's going to be like, you know, yeah, gentrification's a bitch, huh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's going to keep walking and he's going to, he's going to, he's going to actually, he's going to look at you and he's going to be like, do you, do you know the guy that runs the grocery down there? Do you know old Lou? I mean, all the folks around there shop down at Lou's, right? I mean... Uptown doesn't really want folks like us, you know what I mean? And he's going to smile and he's going to nod, like both wistfully and also a little sadly. And and he's going to tell you, he's going to be like, you know, when I was younger, when I was your age, Lou and I, we ran together. We were a part of, of the same... We were the same type of folk, you know, we, we, we got into the same mischief. We were We were hellions back then, the two of us were. And unfortunately... What you learn growing up in, in South Celadon, and Lord knows you don't need an old timer like me lecturing you, but we're walking and we're talking, so you might as well hear me out. You learn that it's, it's not a life for anybody. Living the way you do down there, scraping, just trying to, just trying to eat. And Lou, Lou learned hard, hard lessons. We both did, but we took entirely different lessons from them. I followed after my pop and I came up here to work and it's not the most glorious life. It's Lord knows it's hard labor, especially on old bones, but I earned my bread and I like the man that I see in the mirror every day. Lou, Lou's not a selfish man, but the things that he does 
to get by and to help people really don't help people, you know? So I just want to point out, like, we're walking and talking, but as as Nathan's talking, like, Nick's kind of, like, nodding a little bit, and he's kind of quiet to the point where when he says, you know, I don't answer right away, but I kind of snap out of it and I go, yeah, that that makes sense. And, and he's going to kind of chuckle, and I think he's going to catch himself because – the three of you have successfully prevented, presented yourselves as perfectly upright laborers, and it's not necessarily common knowledge, the full extent of Lou's activities. Although, I think that being from South Celadon, he has a reasonable suspicion that you might know with a wink and a nudge that the guy, like, buys stolen goods, right? Um, certainly yeah. not about the full extent, but it, he's going to kind of catch himself and he's going to be like, yeah, you know, all the, all those calories, right? Not, not good for anybody, especially an old timer like me. <laughs> They sure do sell a lot of sweets there. Yeah, yeah. Trust me. I any more M M&M and M and M and Ms, and my doctor's going to have a fit. He's going to he's going to kind of chuckle, and he's just going to say, "But but you kids, you've got the right of it. Lose way is not the way to get out of the South. This is the way. Work hard, be right by people, and you'll you'll get what's yours. You might not ever live in a house like this, but you you'll get what's due to you." I'm gonna nod. A couple times and go, yeah, that's nice to hear. So I think about this point, you're going to reach another manor home and you reach the gate. And I think Nathan is going to ring for the doorbell to call for the help at, at this establishment. What do you do? And when he rings uh, the bell, I'm going to look over to him and go, hey, thanks a whole bunch. You know, we're kind of new and we're getting like referrals. I'll give him the name of a paint place that like outsources like some labor and work. And he get and I'm just like, I really need this job, but I think we can take it from here. Like we gotta, we gotta look professional, right? Gotta make it on our own steam. Roll an instinct for me. Seven. Okay. Well. With that, I think I think he's gonna eyeball you a little bit, but he's just gonna kind of kind of nod and go, "All right, well, it was it was good talking with you, and if you ever need a hand around here, if anybody ever hassles you for coming up here to do honest work, you can come find old Nathan. I'll I'll see you right." I'm gonna offer my hand again and say thanks a lot. I I really do appreciate it. And and he's gonna shake it. And with that, he's gonna turn around and walk away. But as he turns around to walk away. You see a big yellow beak, and you see a pair of eyes, and you see a wing come up, and and a couple of feathers extended almost like fingers that point to its eyes, and then back at you, and then back to its eyes. And it watches you the entire time as Nathan walks away, and finally down the hill and out of view. Nick bullshits the world. 
that is what this episode is about. As Annie continues, like, it's more and you, more nervous. You had to talk to him, goddammit. I'm like, fuck, you can't just be like, okay, bye. <laughs> I was so close to okay, bye. 